Hello, you are listening to the Carrero Podcast. I am Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. Today, our guest is Winnie Shu. Winnie is a rising junior at Westview High School who is strongly involved in criminal justice reform and implementing racial diversity within the education system through political advocacy and civic engagement. She's excited to join us today to speak more about her current projects and initiatives. Hi, Winnie. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we have learned that you are pretty involved with criminal justice and reform. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in that and what that entails? Yeah. Uh, thank you, Malia and Fred, for having me, inviting me to speak on your podcast this morning. Um, you know, I <laughs> to be honest, I was a little bit nervous. and I did watch a couple of your podcasts <laughs> just to get a feel for it. Um, yeah, it's really an honor to be able to speak to and alongside such passionate individuals and educators from you know across the globe. Thanks. And yeah, so as for criminal justice reform and yeah, and for my involvement with it, I think I really became really deeply passionate and just involved in the entire field with educational equity, criminal justice reform, uh, police accountability, starting, I would say, early June. And, you know, by then it had been all almost three months since we were in lockdown and since we started learning virtually. So, you know, I think we all had, um, you know, increased time spent online in our devices. Mm-hmm. So I know that in late March, or sorry, in late May, um, when during the time of George Floyd, everyone saw it, everyone across the nation, everyone across the globe. And I think that was the first time that, you know, I really got outside of my, you know, probably pretty privileged bubble um, and started realizing that there was something deeply wrong within our criminal justice system, within society. And yeah, so I think before then, um, my only involvement with, uh, you know, being more, uh, you know, with the law was, you know, with my school's mock trial, I felt really, really deeply connected whenever we were in the courts, um, being judged uh, by, you know, different attorneys who came and volunteered to just look at these different individuals who might potentially be working in the law one day. And that was my only connection, you know, before quarantine, before June, you know, to really wanting to pursue a career in law. But since then, um, you know, when I was looking at so many different people finally coming together after COVID-19, when it really tore us all apart, you know, different opinions on how serious the virus was and how we should really (laughs) handle it. I think during the time of the protest was the first time that we really finally came together in those extremely hard months when... No one really knew what was going on. You know, we finally realized that there was something wrong. And I know that so many people, you know, blamed it on 2020. And they were like, damn, 2020 <laughs> is such a hard year. But I think I think we finally became to realize that I don't think it's just 2020. I think it's finally years of, you know, ignorance, years of oppression of different issues finally catching up on us. Yeah. So yeah, that was the that was my first introduction to criminal justice reform, realizing that there's so much there was so much change that was needed, especially concerning police accountability and how law enforcement dealt with citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really, it was really shocking to me because, you know, I was 15 at the time. Uh, well, it's only been a few months, but yeah, I just turned 16. <laughs> but, you know, I was so young at the time and, you know, living in uh, Poway, you know, when it was so, yeah, like, as I said, I was so bubbled in. Um, the only, the only thing that I thought was wrong was, you know, the fact that we had to stay at home because there was a virus. And at the time, I feel like I didn't even think it was that serious. I was like, you know what, just, you know, they're just taking precautions. So yeah, like at the time, it was really shocking and just being thrown in, realizing that hundreds and millions of people were coming together to protest 
you know, and a, a, mur- like a murder by people that are supposed to protect us. That was something that was really shocking. And yeah, so I just, I remember, you know, at one day I was asking my mom, mom, can I, can I go protest alongside them? Have you seen them? And have you seen the news? Have you seen everything that was going on? And I remember my mom being like, no, you're too young, you know, especially with the risks of the virus, mm-hmm. um, you know, just be un- being unable to take direct action. I just felt so, I just really felt really helpless. I still remember one night, um, you know, it was during the height of it. I still remember going on social media. So many people were reposting videos of people being brutalized by the police just because they were exercising their right to protest. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was really, it was really heartbreaking for me, especially because I just felt like one individual, but you know, um, against such a large issue that just seems so just too big for me and for, um, you know, my generation. So from there, I think weeks of just figuring out how is what I was supposed to do, you know, from, you know, sharing petitions, sharing um, infographics on my social media um, until one day I had come across this one uh, infographic that was especially targeted towards San Diego County, uh, which is where I uh, live. And it was how you can tangibly help uh, the Black Lives Matter protesters and you know, links to people that you can contact and how you can donate. So, you know, as I was swiping through it, it was kind of like every other infographic that I had seen uh, since, you know, the beginning of the protests. But this time there were two numbers on the infographic that said pro bono legal help. And that was how I became involved with Hustacia Criminal Defense Association. And I know that you mentioned that. Um, I know, I know that was kind of the thing that kind of drew you uh, mm-hmm. towards me as an individual. So, yeah. So as for Stacey, a criminal defense association, you know, I, you know, just I, as I said uh, before, when I was talking about how, you know, being a mock trial, that was the first thing that really drew me towards, you know, maybe pursuing a future in law. I didn't really have any other reasons for it. I just felt, you know, pretty badass um, on the courts. And that was, that was the first thing that um, I wanted to, that was the first thing that drew my mind towards it because, you know, for the first time when I was looking at those infographics, it seemed like people from the law field were coming in to help other people. So mm. these um, these were the lawyers that were offering pro bono legal help for protesters that were arrested during San Diego County protests. Wow. So the you know they had provided an email address and I emailed them. I was like, hey, like I know everything is probably crazy right now, and I know that um, you know I personally want to help in any way that I can and. I shot that email off. You know, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, you know what? They probably don't even want a high schooler anyway, especially because they're dealing with such serious issues. And during this time, you know, I had this perception that, you know, people like me and people from this generation at my age who probably don't even know that much about it, you know, we can't really do anything. Um, You know, I see people my age, um, people that I grew up with, you know, trying to help in any way that they can, sharing petitions, donating, um, posting, well, there was this one instance where people posted black screens, but I think um, a lot of people realized how performative that was. And, you know, in the process, we're all just educating ourselves. We're all trying to get yeah. through something that we've never experienced before. So I really um, like yeah, how so you I, said under that perception. I really like how you said that um, it seemed like the issue was just so big and where do you start and like, how do you get involved but you just took one small step and now are involved. And we've had 
other student activists uh, on our podcast as well who have said, like, it seems like a lot for one person to take on. But if a lot of people take on a little, then it's not as much and it has such a bigger impact. So I think just taking that small step to get involved, mm-hmm. to make a change, to be like a positive like influence on it definitely helps, um, I guess, make you feel like you are making a difference instead of, you know, posting a black screen or, you know, just reposting an infographic or something like that. Yeah. So when you're when you're working for the, the JDA, um, what are what are some of the things that you that you do and what what type of information do you provide others? Gosh, yeah. So I think in the beginning, as I said in the email, I remember saying, you know, I'll just do everything that you guys don't want to do because at that point I was just so desperate oh, no. to feel Never like I was making that. a difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, like I, 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 you know, it was only a few months ago, but I, I just feel like when I was reading back at those emails just in preparation for this podcast, I just remember just reading back. I was like, wow, I was so young. Just actually saying that in an email saying, you know, what? I'll just do anything that you guys don't want it to. Um, yeah. But as for, um, with the, with the, um, law firm and with the, um, criminal uh, defense organization. So in the beginning, I think they were a little bit hesitant about, you know, taking me on because as I said, I don't have that much experience just in criminal defense, um, in criminal reform, or just in the legal field in general, as all the experienced attorneys in the organization was. But yeah, in the beginning, I said, I said, yeah, I'll help you guys create some graphics just so that you guys can, you know, start building up a social media presence. Because during that time, everyone started creating, um, you know, different profiles in order to help spread information and help spread awareness that, you know, these lawyers and these attorneys are being able to um, help in any way possible from their expertise, from, you know, the, the profession that's, you know, they never imagined that they would have to do something like this, but, you know, they had the ability and they wanted to help people. So I started creating different graphics, just spreading awareness, um, you know, telling people that, hey, you guys can contact um, our email, our number, and these different organizations if you are in need of legal help, um, if you were unlawfully arrested or you were assaulted during one of the protests in mm-hmm. San Diego County. So that was one of what I started off doing. Wow. And then as it started picking up, um, I think um, one of my mentors, um, who's the president of Hustasia, uh, uh, Michelle Winner Reynoso, who is also a public defender in San Diego County, um, she kind of realized that there was a conflict of interest um, of her being a public defender and also helping out these um, different protesters who needed legal help. So then that's when she asked me um, to see if I can kind of be the liaison between the clients and her as a public defender. So that was my first time, you know, being entrusted with something that was so big and yeah. it just seemed so much more than what I could do, you know. And yeah, so from there, because I was kind of acting as the middle ground, you know, I started being able to talk to these different protesters, being able to ask, you know, just like do the basic like, clerical work, asking for their information. But in that in in that exchange of um, information, I was able to talk to them about. Why did they, you know, risk their lives to be able to protest something that they truly, truly believed in? You know, why did they, why did they say that they would do it again, even after experiencing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, brutality from law enforcement? Because, you know, so many of these people, they were so much older than me and they were, 
you know, from a different generation and yeah. yet they still, you know, managed to be open-minded and realize that there was something wrong. Um, and they, you know, they went out and protest even during COVID-19, um, even, even when it was so controversial um, at that point. So yeah, just being able to connect with so many different protesters, um, just hearing their personal experiences and you know their validations, going out and fighting for what they truly believed in—that was the greatest motivation of all. And at the same time, being able to touch in on the legal field, something that I was already previously interested in—that combination, um, hearing the personal stories of people who said that they would do it again and again. Um, despite being treated horribly, despite being exposed um, to unrightful situations and just being able to see all these attorneys using their expertise and using what they love to do and what they work to do um, to be able to help these people. I think that was that was really, really eye-opening. Just, um, just a wonderful and just beautiful experience. And so after that, right now, we are preparing um, to represent these clients because, you know, um, yeah, and obviously, like, I am very, very nervous because, um, <laughs> you know, there is still that off chance that what if we can't help them? Um, what if we, um, what if we, what if I do something wrong, you know, that automatically affects them? So, you know, there are, there still are some insecurities um, on my end because, you know, as I said, I still have... Sometimes I still have that little grain of doubt that, hey, you know, I'm just a teenager. Like, what can I do um, just against this large, giant issue that, you know, will take years and years of fighting back in order to slightly reform? So, yeah, um, in that sense, that was what I do in Hustasia. Um, and actually, just last month, we, um, as I mentioned before, with Know Your Rights, we did have this, um, you know, this Know Your Rights campaign launch. So this was in hopes of being able to reach more people, um, reach more high schoolers and members of the community who might be, you know, who might be forced to interact with law enforcement and who may, um, you know, are be, or <laughs> may be um, um, uninformed about their constitutional rights when um, being involved with law enforcement and with the police. So with these Know Your Rights webinars um, that are led by, I, actually, um, I was um, I was really honored to be able to speak at one of them. But yeah, alongside, you know, these different criminal justice and criminal defense attorneys who are trying to educate people on their Miranda rights when um, interacting with police, whether it's, you know, on the streets, in your car, from your own home. I think that was one of the most important things because, you know, we look at cases of Breonna Taylor and realize, you know, what would have happened if, you know, maybe, you know, people were more open about your constitutional rights, especially with unwarranted um, uh, check-ins by the police. So yeah, that was the current project that we did with the Criminal Defense Association. But are you finding that yeah, a lot now, of people? Yeah, from now, you know, I just started school. Are you finding that a lot of people um, are learning a lot from that Know Your Rights campaign? That like it's a lot of new information to them, and that it's like having a a positive impact on them. Gosh, I I would hope so. Yeah, I hope um, I hope that people are taking. I, yeah, you know, like, I think a lot of the information during those webinars were very dense, but I hope that, you know, people take away from that, not the information, but just that increased awareness that they do, you know, it is super important to know your um, constitutional rights. And it is, 
you know, sadly important as well to realize that sometimes you do have to err on the side of cautiousness when you're interacting with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So I think aside from having people learn about these different rights, I think it was even more important to have just build this awareness in the community um, to people and to reach audiences that otherwise probably would have just ignored that or probably would have just, you know, glossed over it. And yeah. Now, since you since you did mention that that your academic year has has just started, um, how much of this information have you actually shared with your own um, school or friends, or um, and how do they respond to it? In the beginning of um, quarantine, I think we started learning virtually March thirteenth. So from March thirteenth to you know, May 28th, which is the day of George Floyd. Um, I think everyone was kind of just carrying on life as usual. You know, people sometimes uh, use their social media to spread awareness about COVID, you know, making sure that you wear a mask, um, making sure that you constantly wash your hands and, you know, stay hygienic. But, you know, in the beginning of June, God, I, I just remember seeing so many of my peers in their social media is being inundated with posts about Black Lives Matter about different uh, ways that you're supposed to help or you can help. And, you know, I started doing that as well. I, you know, I began with um, Instagram story posts, but then I realized, you know, I, I do have a fairly um, large social media presence. So I, I started posting um, from my, you know, like actual posts from my social media account, you know, realizing that I could reach a lot more people. I started posting about, um, you know, ethnic studies, which we can touch on a little bit later. Um, I started about, you know, the 15-year-old girl that was locked away because um, she didn't complete her homework on probation. So, yeah, um, I think as I started posting that, the response was absolutely shocking to me. You know, so many people wanted, you know, were, you know, thanking me because they were being educated on issues that otherwise, as I said, they might have been, um, they might have glossed over or they might have realized, hey, like, this is a lot more important than it really, than, you know, it really might seem to us at first glance. So I'm, I'm extremely thankful that in this generation, social media is such a big presence in our lives, but we're able to use it as a tool for change and as a tool for spreading awareness and educating others. So have you worked with the police departments? So with the police departments, I think, so right now, I'm actually working a few political campaigns. So right now I'm working with Liz Labertu for State Assembly in District 71. And much of her work sometimes, you know, with political campaigns and with politicians running for office, you know, sometimes some of the endorsements that we seek is from law enforcement and from, you know, police departments. Mm -hmm. But, you know, because um, Liz Labertu, she is a pretty progressive Democrat and, you know, she is, uh, you know, a candid supporter of, um, many issues involving police accountability. You know, we obviously, I don't think law enforcement, you know, is the most inclined to endorse a candidate with such views. So in terms of working with police departments in that area, I don't think we have the most, um, I don't think I personally have the most civil liberties union, I think. Um, yeah, so with the San Diego County um, ACLU, we do work um, alongside, or we do touch on, a lot of issues with the police department because, um, you know, we are working to amend policies and different laws with that directly involve, you know, our local police departments. So in terms of that, 
yes, I have worked with some law enforcement, but um, because currently I am training with the San Diego ACLU, I personally haven't interacted with any uh, police officers or law enforcement. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, and then one of the one of the other things that that you mentioned in your in your bio was Jenna. Um, is there? Can you can yeah. you tell us? Yeah, can you tell us what 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 that is and what your role is in Genup? Yeah, so Genup, um, so Genup is a nationwide organization that is student led, and it is a student advocacy uh, organization that works to empower students to have the voice to fight against different issues such as educational inequity, uh, racial injustice within schools, and just lack of resources and um, within schools across the nation. So, you know, there's so much student representation from all different uh, localities and all different regions from the United States. But right now we are specifically concentrated in California. So with GenUp, right now, one of our most important movements has been ethnic studies. So I know that with CSU Fullerton, um, just I think a few weeks ago, I know Newsom signed um, into law that you know, it's a graduation requirement for CSU students to take an ethnic studies course. And I think that Genup was absolutely inspired by that. Um, just realizing that there can be tangible change yeah. um, with enough support, with enough student advocacy. So um, one of the most prominent and one of the most notable uh, things that Genup this past year actually did was we managed to get AB31 uh, signed in on Senate floor. So right now, um, we're just waiting for Newsom to hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, sign it into law. And if that were to happen, then ethnic studies would be implemented in the 2025 school year as a graduation requirement for all high school students. So that is what, something that Genup has been doing, and it has, it's been an absolutely wonderful experience just adding to, and just, you know, debunking my previous perception that students can't do anything, you know, mm -hmm. um, that students, um, you know, we, we, we can't do anything against a movement that is this large. But yeah, as for my personal role in Genup, I am the political director at the nation slash state, uh, the nation slash statewide level. So mm -hmm. I work really closely when we're um, interacting with uh, different uh, leaders and other educational groups, such as March for Our Lives, um, Diverse for Our Narrative, and you know, working closely with the California Department of Education office, um, especially with working. Um, you know, because we have been, we have had such a large involvement with AB331, we have had close connections with, you know, Tony, Tony Thurman's, um, Shirley Weber, and Jose Medina, who is the author of AB331. So, yeah, in terms of Jenna, um, just these past few months, just the efforts of so many different students, almost, I think, almost a thousand students from across the nation, just working together to for AB331 and working to implement ethnic studies within California, that has been one of the most eye-opening experiences um, that I've been blessed to be a part of. That's awesome. It's so rewarding yeah. to feel and to see the actual changes that are happening um, because of the work that you're doing. So really good job. Um, I think you've kind of mentioned, but I just wanted to, I guess, 
clarify it, but like, what are your future and current plans? Like what are your career desires? Yeah. Yeah. So as for my current plans, um, right now I'm actually scheduled to teach a course in mass incarceration. Um, so talking about race justice and the crisis of, you know, um, America's law enforcement at a local, um, adult school. So this is, um, in my own school district, so Poway Unified School District. And we have this um, adult school that allows um, different adults from across, you know, just across San Diego County to be able to come, you know, if they want to um, learn about technology, if they want to learn uh, just some recreational activities. And just a few months ago, I had reached out. Um, I think um, I can touch on this later, but these past few months have caused almost a rift between my family and I because we do have very differing views on many topics. So I think one of my reasons and one of the reasons why I did want to teach a course at this adult school to different people, you know, probably twice my age was Mm -hmm. because I think sometimes I I really want to prove myself to my parents and (laughs) say, hey, like, if some of these adults are open-minded enough to talk about the crisis of mass incarceration, maybe maybe you guys can hop onto one of the lectures. So that's mm. one of my current plans. I think, you know, since hosting the Ethnic Studies webinar in San Diego County and my first involvement with educating and spreading awareness to such a large audience, it has almost been um, addicting just being able to realize that, you know, you can reach so many different people and touch so many people in different ways than you can ever imagine through education. So that's my current yeah. plan. Um, I think I start my course in January. And for future plans, um, I actually, I, I would really, really love to, um, you know, look into the area of becoming um, a prosecutor because, you know, prosecutors have such a large impact on the criminal justice system, um, you know, because they determine um, the prison sentencing. They determine yeah. um, if that's... Um, convict or that that victim can you know take on restorative justice uh roads instead of you know sentencing them to prison and yeah that that you know i really haven't had the most um detailed research into what i want to do um in terms of becoming a prosecutor but i think that's one of the that's more um you know a vision right now I think you would be phenomenal at it, and your passion is certainly there. So, um, and you're getting all these really great experiences yeah, thank right you so now. Much. Yeah, it's really <laughs> inspiring to hear. So, yeah, keep it up. Yeah, definitely. And that's, um, yeah. you know, and one of the things that I'm that I wondering because I used to teach um, high school. Um, I really, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I really liked teaching, uh, sophomores and juniors and you're, and you're, mm-hmm. you seem to be the, you seem to be one that if you were in my class, in my, in my history and government class, I would just go, why don't you just write about something that you want to write about? Because obviously you're, <laughs> you're on this end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, whereas I'm now, I need to try to bring everyone up to, to be as, as involved critically. Do you find that that that's true for you and your friends that that you're more um, that you have a more critical thought? Um, process? I wouldn't say that I have you know a more critical thought process than you know other people in my class. Um, you know, in in my just in my grade um, in my graduation class, I think that 
all of us will be have will be would be able to have that same involvement and be able to have that same um, perception of the different issues within our society if they just um, um, actually I, I don't really know how to um, answer that I think um, I think personally because you know I've had you know I've had the ability and I've had the time to be able to hone in on these specific issues you know maybe I am a little bit more involved than other people in my class but I think that there are so many there's so much potential within every single person in my graduation class okay. and I think one of the things that maybe sets me apart a little bit is um, just this past year, you know, before, even before I became involved with criminal justice reform, I had this absolutely wonderful mentor. Um, he was actually my percussion coach. Um, his name is Andrew Kresa. Before meeting him and before being able to work with him, I had never encountered another teacher, another educator, and another, you know, adult figure that believed in me as much as he had. Um, you know, he, he, even before I realized, um, he, he constantly told me, um, about how, you know, just one person, um, can, you know, unlock their potential if they finally find something that they really, really, truly believe in. And just being able to, you know, be taught under Andrew and being able to realize that, you know, it's okay no matter what I do, because I always have this constant support from him. Um, that is one of the things that has pushed me even throughout the, the times where I, I, you know, truly doubt myself and truly believe that, uh, you know, I, I can't do anything um, when facing these issues. So I think that is why I truly value the education system so much because of Andrew, because of, you know, this mentor that I had who guided me and pushed me even when I doubted myself. So I think, you know, if we're talking in terms of Maybe I do, you know, maybe if I think critically, more critically than people in my class, um, I think if everyone had the same experiences in having a mentor um, and having someone who supported them as much as I had Andrew, I think um, I think every single person in my class has the potential um, to truly do something and truly, you know, change something that they were truly passionate about. That's great. That's I love. Like, I yeah, love that I, quote. I like that. Mm-hmm. See, see, yeah. If I, you know, if I had a classroom filled with um, people like you, <laughs> it would be so fun. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, just yeah, just because, of, <laughs> you know, just because of everything that then uh, we could do, but that's beside the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually, um, I think, yeah, yeah, just like you bringing that up, I know right now I'm in um, A-Push with uh, one of my teachers, her name is Ms. Stimson, yeah. and she also teaches sociology and law and action, and I just, you know, before it is, you know, I think it's a little bit dumb being able to talk to teachers and just forming that personal connection with them, especially because there is that gap of knowledge and there is that gap of um, experience. But, you know, with being in this class with Ms. Stimson and knowing that, you know, she is so deeply educated about the criminal justice system and about the reform that needs to be taken, it's been so much easier to be able to speak with her. And it's been so much, it's just been so wonderful being in a class with an educator and a teacher who is as passionate that she is teaching these issues to students that's you know, previously did not realize uh, that, you know, there are seriously, there are serious inequities within the system that's we, society's built on. So yeah, it's been really, really wonderful just going back to school with this new um, idea and with this new perception of education. That's great. 
So what is your hope for our generation and for your generation? I think, you know, as I mentioned, my parents and I have had, you know, some uh, serious disputes and disagreements um, just about some, you know, some issues that are, you know, um, you know, finally coming um, onto our radar, um, you know, especially with the social and political climates, given it is an election year mm-hmm. and, you know, so many different ballots and policies are being voted on in November. So I think in terms of hopes for your generation and for my parents' generation, I think it's a pretty big wish, but I think, gosh, I wonder what could have happened or what can happen if people from your generation and my parents' generation are a little bit more open-minded, you know, maybe if they look more towards watching out for future generations or watching out for my generation and how, you know, we'll be growing up and how we'll be raising our kids, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe, um, you know, the fight for change and maybe, um, you know, that push for something more could, you know, that that fight could be a little bit easier. But, you know, no matter what, um, I think... If I put myself in your generation's shoes, you know, it is completely understandable that, you know, sometimes they are or sometimes, you know, my parents are a little bit closed minded because, you know, they immigrated here um, in, uh, I would say, 2010. um, And being Asian American immigrants, um, Mm -hmm. especially in America, I think, gosh, I, you know, I've I've had to struggle over this a lot, you know, during these past few months, you know. Sometimes one side of the argument is, you know, why can't you just understand, you know, why can't you just be a little bit more open-minded when I try to explain some of the issues that I'm fighting for, um, some of the things that I truly, truly believe in and want to dedicate um, so much time to. But then on the other hand, I realize that, you know, being immigrants in America, especially with, um, you know, someone as critical of immigration um, as, you know, President Trump, um, and especially just like after the entire, uh, you know, COVID-19 with so many cases of racism towards Asian Americans yeah. and so much, you know, open, open xenophobia over the virus towards, you know, immigrants and Chinese Americans, such as my parents, mm-hmm. it has, you know, made me such an empathetic person towards them and realize, yeah, you know, it's, it's so hard for them to be open-minded about movements such as the Black Lives Matter movement, especially because racism towards Asian Americans is so unspoken of mm-hmm. and so normalized. So, you know, you know, I ask or I hope that, you know, your generation is a lot more open-minded, but at the same time, you know, in hopes of having a different generation be open-minded, obviously, you know, that is an ask of our generation, of my generation, mm-hmm. to also be understanding and also have that same, you know, ability to look from, you know, my parents' uh, point of view, from their perspective and from their history. So, you know, that kind of ties into why it is so important to have ethnic studies within the high school, because, yeah. you know, without that knowledge of um, your own history um, about your own culture and your past of immigration of, you know, different uh, race, uh, you know, different issues of racism against your own race. It is sometimes really, really hard to be, to, you know, practice that same open-mindedness that you expect from a different generation from your own parents and from, you know, some people um, that you see um, on the internet who are, you know, pretty ignorant and pretty, um, you know, blatantly racism, yeah. <laughs> blatantly racist. Yeah. But yeah, um, I think, yeah, that would be what I wish from, um, you know, your generation and from my generation. You know, that's, uh, you know, 
one as a as a former history teacher and, and someone who always has been looking at this, every generation is like this. I mean, your your grandparents yeah. probably didn't didn't think that your parents were open minded or were. Um, you know, and, and it's every generation. And so, you know, when, you know, if you, if you ever have kids, you Mm -hmm. might, you might be the same, um, you know, just because there's, there's so many different that, that, that take place every single generation. But I think what you're, what you're advocating and what you're doing is kind of having a critical mindset of, um, being able to take everything in. Um, without, with, with, without saying, I'm not even going to listen. Um, and, and I think that's what you're, what you're, what you're mm-hmm. doing at such a young age. And that's why I, when I, when I heard about you, I'm like, oh my gosh, we have got to talk to this person, yeah. <laughs> um, just because you're doing so much. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we, that we like mm-hmm. to do, um, at the at the end of every every podcast is is to ask all of our um, mm-hmm. all of our participants what their one call to action is, um, and so what's your call to action? Wow, um, yeah. I mean, first of all, I just want to say thank you guys so much for inviting me to speak on your podcast. I know that as I was speaking, I said that um, one of my goals and one of my wishes is to be able to have, you know, an open-minded audience and to have, you know, your generation be um, a little bit more uh, perceptive of the current climate. But I think being able to speak with you guys and just being able to have mentors um, who are the same age as my parents and, you know, who guide me and push me is one of, you know, the biggest motivators just in terms of advocacy and for future um, goals and movements. So yeah, thank you guys so much for this opportunity and just inviting me to speak with you all. And as for my one call of action, I think I'd just like to tell every single person who's, you know, my age, who thinks yeah, they can't do anything against just this gigantic issue that we're facing every single day that we see on the news, um, that we see issues of climate change, that we see issues of mass incarceration, prison reform, I think it's just so important to realize that just taking that one dive, taking that one step of action can lead to so much more. Um, you know, you, yeah. Um, just like in my case, just sending that one email saying, you know what, <laughs> I'll do anything that you guys don't want to do. Um, it's just really mm-hmm. launched me into this path where I, you know, I can't, I can't see the end of it. I can't see the end of the fight. I can't see the end of, you know, my motivation and, yeah, so I, I, I would just really love if every single person who, you know, happened to come across this podcast would just realize that's, you know, anything, it sounds cheesy, but really anything is possible if you really just take that one leap, um, if you, you know, overcome your insecurities, overcome that one fear of failure, you know, anything can happen. Um, just from, you know, shooting that one email. Well, that's excellent. Um thing to leave us with. So thank you so much, Winnie, for your passion and all your work and just trying to make the world a better place for everybody. We really appreciate it. Your peers appreciate it. Future generations will appreciate it. So thank you so much for being here and thank you for your time. And we wish you all the best in the future and we're sure you'll do great things. Mm -hmm.